This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UJ podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me today here in studio in the Classic City is my coach, Charlie. And Charlie, I have to ask you, did you survive the first Saturday without college football? I guess technically Army-Navy was on, but like that, honestly, I know some people love that's great. It does nothing for me. So I had a tough time. What about you? Did you survive? Oh, it was great. Was not it really? Lie. So it you... was nice to not have to wake up, rush around in order to you get like... to the football game. That's amazing, though. That's part of the, the charm of the fall. But it's nice to have a break. Is it? I'll miss it in about a month or two. I could do it, but it was nice 12 months out of the year. So you did not have this kind of, you weren't like a lost soul in an existential crisis just trying to figure out what to do with your life like I was. No, that I was, was That was me on Saturday. That's the difference between us. Yeah, I guess so. But all right, well, so you enjoyed yourself. You had a I nice did. little Saturday morning. I did. All right, fair enough. You'll miss it, though. It won't take long. You'll miss it. But all right, anyway, boys and girls, we have some crouton to talk about today. Uh, the establishment of the early signing period oh, it was a few years back. It created this kind of new reality where as soon as the regular season is over, all eyes like immediately turn to recruiting because the turnaround is just so quick. You know, we always start to think about recruiting gradually after the season, but not like we do now with the early signing period. It opens this Wednesday. It closes on Friday. Really, most people are going to sign. If, if they're signing in the early period, it'll be on Wednesday, but technically it goes Wednesday through Friday. And uh, obviously, we are still chasing down some big fish and trying to keep some others in the fold as you try to close strong with yet another top three recruiting class. So this here today is going to be our early signing day preview show, and we're going to discuss the prospects we're trying to close with, how we think things are going to shake out when it's all said and done, all that fun stuff. And I, and I do want to say this, though. I've said this before when we talk about recruiting, but I will say it again for some of our newer listeners. Myself, Charlie, I'm going to throw you in here. Is that okay? Sure. All right, Charlie, myself, because you're not a recruiting expert, right? When you wouldn't call no. you. Okay, so. Too many names, too many places. A lot of names, a lot of names, a lot of names. That's true. But it becomes so, a blur. Yeah, in, in many ways. And there's, there are, and there's a lot of moving pieces, there's no doubt. So you're not an expert, I'm not an expert. Curtis, we are not recruiting reporters. We do not call the prospects, we don't interview them, we don't cultivate sources or follow up on leads or anything of that nature. That's not what we do. There's other people who do that, they do a fantastic job at that. But 
I don't want anyone to think that we are trying to, su- to suggest that we do that. We're not trying to pretend to be something that we're not because we just, that's not our role. It's not what we do. But I will say we do follow recruiting as closely as just about anyone out there. And I, I would like to think we're well-versed on all the different reports and rumors about where players might or might not be leaning. But again, we are not recruiting writers or reporters per se. What we do is like, we try to piece together the tea leaves. We follow the visits. Uh, we read all the reports, all that kind of stuff. It, it will give you our opinion on our chances to land certain guys, but uh, we want to be 100% upfront about that. That's mostly educated conjecture, just putting together pieces of the puzzle that we kind of tried to put together over the, the past couple months or so. What I think we do a much better job of is evaluating the prospects, what they bring to the table from a physical standpoint, from an upside standpoint. You know, Curtis and I, we've been going, we've been going to the seven-on-seven camps, the Kirby Smart camps here in Athens for years now. And I'm trying to get down to the opening regionals most years when we get a chance to. So I have seen a lot of these guys in person. I guess I would say at least the Southeast based guys. And of course, we watch all the highlights they put out there on Huddle, wherever you can find them. And any games that may get shown on TV, some of these high level prospects playing in big time schools, we watch those games as well. So we want to put that out there. That's where we feel uh, much more confident in our abilities. We aren't experts on where these guys will necessarily land. We will definitely give you what we hear, but. I'll be honest, take that with a grain of salt, as you should with everything in the recruiting world, but we are much more confident in our abilities to discuss the talent and skill sets of each of these prospects. But as it sits right now, currently, we are number six nationally according to the 247 composite ratings. And if you guys are new to the show, I use the 247 composite as my reference tool because it's an average of the rankings of all the major recruiting services, whether it's 247, Rivals, ESPN, whatever. I guess Scout still maybe has ratings. I don't know if they do that anymore. But I think it gives you the most accurate feel for where a prospect is ranked. But right now we sit at number six nationally, but we only have 15 commitments, which is the lowest number of commitments among any of the teams currently ranked in the top 25, which actually bodes pretty well for where we can jump up to if things go our way. We actually have the second highest average recruit rankings uh, I think it's right behind Clemson. So we really do have a ton of room for movement up the rankings over the next couple of days. If we close strong with a lot of our targets, we definitely have a chance to finish in the top three yet again. That's certainly within striking distance. I'm not sure we're going to be able to catch Clemson, who's at number one right now. They've had a great cycle, but we absolutely can jump Bama. We can jump Ohio State, even LSU, if things go our way on Wednesday. And again, during the February signing period as well. So we have a lot to talk about in a short amount of time today. And this is where I'm going to turn things over to Charlie. So, Charlie, take it away for us. Okay. So, before we talk about specific recruits and who we need to sign, I think this is the third year of the college football early signing period. I think so. Third, Yeah, third year. Okay. So, now that that we're a couple of years into it, how do you feel about the early signing period as a whole? It's still kind of weird to me because I've been following recruiting for a long time. It was always February, right? You know, here in Athens, the blind pig, everybody goes there, has a good time. You go to Bud Smear, and they, uh, it was used to be Coach Rick would give a, a little speech, whatnot. You see all this, you know, talk about all the guys coming in. It was, it was fun. It was, it was a whole celebration, a whole deal. And that doesn't really happen anymore, so it's still kind of weird to me. But I, I do enjoy, I guess I would say, I love, rec- I love recruiting, so it's cool to kind of get two days where recruiting's at the forefront of this early signing period in mid-December, and then you still have the February signing day as well. There's just not as much attention on the February signing day because a lot of guys are signing early, especially guys that want to enroll early. So, uh, I mean, in, in some ways it's cool. You do get the, an extra day of recruiting to kind of talk about all that for all those recruit nicks out there. But again, it does take some of the magic away from that old February national signing day, which, I mean, I, maybe I'm kind of just nostalgic for but uh, I, one thing I don't like about it is, the, you know, for three years running now, I guess since they've had the early signing period, 
we have been in the SEC Championship game. And I think in a lot of ways, it punishes teams who win. Because when you play in the SEC title game, you lose a week of recruiting. So as soon as the regular season's over, everyone else starts visiting their prospects. They start traveling across the country. Uh, they go they start doing their in-home visits. They start hosting guys on official visits. You have two weekends before really signing after the regular season. We only have had one the past three seasons because the SEC championship week, we're preparing for a game. You know, we got a big time game. We can't be going around doing in-home visits, flying around the country, seeing these prospects. We can't host anyone the day um, uh, of the SEC championship game. So that that puts us behind. The eight ball because we were good and I don't really like that about it but I guess this the price you pay for winning which I don't think it's a price that you'd have to pay I think there's gotta be some sort of adjustment there I don't know how you do that but uh, I do think the teams that are at the top kind of get punished a little bit uh, because you just keep behind the eight ball when it comes to that early signing period especially and, and like when coaches get fired too you're kind of scrambling like you know or when coaches move on they take promotions you are left scrambling to try to find someone really, really quickly as a head coach. Like with us, we were fortunate Matt Luke, Matt Luke was available. We were able to kind of fill that vacancy pretty quickly there and, and try to hold together this, this really good offensive line class. But it's not always that easy. So there's there's definitely some benefits to it, but I think there's still some drawbacks and some kinks that we need to try to work out here over the next couple of years. Okay. Well, this past weekend was the last weekend to host prospects on official visits before the early signing period. And there were a number of developments with commitments, decommitments, surprise visitors, and the like that popped up over the weekend. If you check Twitter or any of that stuff. It, it was, was all, all over the place. It was all over the place. So what did you see as the biggest developments of the past week in the world of Georgia recruiting? Oh, there's a number of things that went down. If I had to try, I don't know, you want me to rank them? Sure. Sure. Okay, let's go with um I think there's a couple ways you go. I think... To me, getting Jordan Birch on campus, if you guys aren't familiar with him, he's a big-time defensive line prospect. At one point, he was ranked number one in the country. Right now, he's still top five, number five nationally, according to the 247 composite. 6'5", 275 pounds, just game wrecker of a player on the defensive line. He's out of, essentially, Columbia, South Carolina. Clemson's been hot on him for a long time. So is South Carolina. And, you know, I've been kind of uh, skeptical all along during this cycle of our chances to, to reel him in. And like be a true contender for him. I guess we were contenders, but I just never really bought in the fact that ultimately at the end of the day we would sign this guy on signing day. Uh, with Clemson being obviously what they've become and him being a local South Carolina kid, a Columbia kid, that's a really, really tough pull. But, you know, lo and behold, here we are. Like, I think it was Thursday before this weekend, before the final official visit weekend, before uh, the early signing period. We spent, from all reports, like all day long with his family. And if you guys aren't familiar with how these kind of like in-home visits work, usually a family could host like two or three different coaching staffs on a, any given day. Like they'll have one early part of the day, one in the middle of the day, and then one at night. Uh, we were with his family, from what I understand, the entire day on Thursday, pretty much the entire day which was huge. And that was leading into him coming here to Athens for his final official visit before he goes public with his decision on Wednesday. Now, I think he was initially going to announce on Thursday. I think he's moved that up now to Wednesday. I think it's going to be an ESPN announcement as well. Maybe 2 o'clock, sometime that, something like that in the middle of the day. So getting him on campus with a final official visit, being with him all day on Thursday, man, I really think we have a legitimate shot to sign Jordan Birch. And I, you know, if you would ask me this, a month or two ago, I probably would have said, nah, not a little bit Clemson, a little bit South Carolina, but 
I think we might potentially be the front runner here. And things, crazy things can happen in recruiting. That's, that's the ultimate disclaimer when it comes to talking recruiting is that everything is fluid and things can change on a dime. But right now, I feel pretty good. So that was that was a huge development, getting him, getting him on campus this weekend. Uh, another one that happened, I think it hit on Saturday, was uh, Tate Ratledge, a big-time offensive line prospect, borderline five-star prospect, number 36 nationally, the 247 composite. Uh, he's been committed for a while now, and I, I, I'm as high on him as I am almost anyone that's in our class currently right now, I think he has a chance to be a, a, a star left tackle for us down the road. I think he has that potential. Um, and there was some, obviously with Sam Pittman going to Arkansas, there was talk about all of our offensive line recruits, and, and Ratledge was one of those, him being one of our top-ranked current commits right now. But he reaffirmed his pledge and basically said, I'm shutting down my process. I'm shutting down my recruitment. I'm signing with Georgia on Wednesday. Boom, done, deal, let's go. So that was huge. I, I kind of let out, a, let out a, let's go, dogs. Uh, middle, of, middle of the night, Saturday, Saturday night, my wife looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, we're not playing. What's going on? And I was like, there's still things going on, honey. There's still things going on. So that was huge. Um, and then Jermaine Burton. Charlie, you mentioned a secret visit. I think you were referring to Jermaine Burton. Making yeah. the secret visit from California, at least it was supposed to be under the radar. But he, and if you guys aren't familiar with Jermaine Bird, he's a wide receiver prospect out of Calabasas. Although he does have family here in Athens, he went to Hateville Charter, I think, as a freshman, maybe. So he has some history here in the Georgia area. Was going to go to IMG for like two weeks and then went back to California for his senior season. But he's been committed to LSU for a while. We were pretty heavily involved with him early on before he committed. I thought we had a chance early on in the cycle. But he ends up committing to LSU, and he's been committed to them for a long time now. And he's still currently committed to them. But things are really kind of trending in our direction. There's been some talk about a flip for about a month or so, and, and it's certainly the intimations where it was Jermaine Burton. And I and him coming here over the weekend for, for his final official visit before he announces, that was huge. And from what I understand, again, with recruiting, you know, you hear reports how true they are. I don't know. But the word is that he did not clear this visit with LSU. He didn't let the coaches know. And that's pretty commonplace. Like when you are committed to a school, you might want to go visit other schools. And, and they're usually pretty cool with that, uh, with a few exceptions. But you usually kind of let them know. You're just kind of up front ahead of time. And everything's good to go. But he apparently didn't let LSU know ahead of time. And I'm hearing that LSU, uh, their football office, is, is kind of expecting him to end up elsewhere right now. So certainly not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. But him coming here kind of under the radar like that, that leads me to believe that we are very, very much a player in his recruitment. And then I guess finally, uh, jo Joshua Braun, he, uh, which was kind of expected, so it wasn't a surprise at all. He was one of the guys, probably the first one I thought would decommit as an offensive line prospect once Sam Pittman left because he's from Florida. Was heavily Florida was heavily involved in his recruitment, but it, we ended up landing him was really because of Sam Pittman and his personality. But with with Pittman gone, I figured it was just a matter of time. And sure enough, decommits ends up at Ohio. Or I'm sorry, at Florida as expected. But then we got another commitment Sunday night. Uh, Devin Willick was a, a a former Penn State commitment who just recently decommitted from Penn State. I want to say like this past Thursday. And he committed to us on, on I think, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Okay. Well, do you think that commitment was more of a replacement for Joshua Braun, who decided to go with Florida, or maybe an indicator that our staff isn't feeling great about Broderick Jones? Okay, so yeah, let's bring up Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones is right now probably the, him and Kendall Milton are two of the, the, the centerpieces of the, of the current class as it's constituted right now. We have some other highly rated guys, a couple of top 10 guys we're still heavily involved with and, and could certainly end up landing all three of those guys. We'll get to them in a little bit here. Broderick Jones is interesting. From He's taking an official visit to Auburn. I think he's going to hold off until February, which makes sense. And I think that's, that's okay. I mean, 
as long as we're still in this and give Matt Luke some time to build a relationship, I think we still have a, a good shot to end up landing Broderick here when it's all said and done, when the dust clears. I would say right now, I mean, it's hard to say, but I, I think Willick will probably more of a replacement for Joshua Broad right now. I think we still have, feel pretty good about our chances to end up landing uh, Broderick Jones if we can just kind of help Matt Luke build that relationship and let him know that, hey, we, we still got you taken care of. It's still the right place to be schematics-wise, all, the all those things. All the reason you came in Georgia, this, all that's still here for you. And I think Matt Luke can build that relationship and kind of hold his commitment down. But yeah, so, and Willick's a big dude. I, I, I don't know how I feel about the commitment of Willick because, I mean, he had a pretty nasty injury uh, late in the season. I think he, it was a tibula, femur, something in his leg. He broke something. He's got metal plates and screws in there right now. Like Apparently a rope of some sort is what I'm hearing. I don't know how that works. But uh, he's in pretty bad shape right now, and I think he weighed like six, I think it's like six five, six five and a half, three hundred fifty five pounds right now. So he's I would like to see him drop some weight. And with injuries like that, you just never know how guys are going to come back from them. But I know our staff worked him out over the summer and felt pretty good about him. So when Braun decommitted, we had a backup plan, which is something that Kirby always has in place. He always has that backup plan. It looks like Willick was that backup plan. So uh, I trust our staff. They've seen this guy in person. I have not, so I, I'm going to defer to them. So hopefully uh, it ends up all right. Hopefully we can keep him and also keep Roger Jones in the fold. But Charlie, before we move on to your next question, I do want to quickly remind everybody out there about our good friends at Vivid Seats. Guys, you have one more chance to watch this 2019 version of the Georgia Bulldogs at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans on New Year's Day. So if you're still in the market for tickets, tickets are plentiful. And if you go to Vivid Seats right now, you can find the best tickets at the best prices. I'm telling you guys from personal experience, a couple weeks back, I went ahead and picked up a pair. Actually, I wish I would have waited a little bit longer. So the prices have continued to drop. So go to Vivid Seats today and come cheer on your Bulldogs one more time to ring in the new year. And right now, fans are automatically being enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app today. And when you find the tickets, when it's time to buy, new users just enter their promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Okay. Well, our staff is still hot after a number of different prospects, so let's zero in on the most important names for our listeners to know about. It's Christmas time, so let's... Wait, it's Christmas time? Almost. What? Almost. I'm just so... All the kids still are caught up in the counting the number of sleeps until Christmas morning. So let's go with that theme. Wait, wait. Counting the number of sleeps? Uh, what? What yeah, is that? Yeah, you've never heard of that? Counting the number... What is a sleep? Kids don't understand time, like... We have four more days. They know based off little kids base it off of how many times they have to go to sleep and wake up. So how many nights? Yes, but they don't understand okay. it usually when they're little. In the okay, terms. so that's that's the ignorant. I don't have kids in me. I don't. I don't. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So let's stick with the Christmas. Learning thing. something new every day. Sorry. Okay. If you had a wish list of prospects for Georgia to close with this early signing period, who would be the top five on your list? Top. Five wish list. Let me start at the bottom work my way up. Sure. Okay. All right. So we've got a couple spots left here, and there's a lot of guys I want. I mean, I'm gonna try to go with guys that are like maybe more realistic options for us, guys that we have been still heavily involved with late in the process. So I'm gonna start. I mentioned him a few minutes ago as one of the the secret visitors this past weekend here to Athens. Uh, Jermaine Burton out of Calabasas. 
He's a guy that, look, we need playmakers. We need potential game changers on offense, especially at the wide receiver position. And I think Jermaine Burton has the potential to be that type of guy. He's a little under six foot one, about 190 pounds, number 52 nationally in the 247 composite. And he brings a lot to the table. He's got really good speed. And he's a, a polished receiver, too. He's a guy, there's another guy I'm going to mention here in a few minutes that plays receiver who might not be as polished as Jermaine Burton, but Burton. Like he does things that college football receivers need to be able to do. He's a good route runner. He's physical off the line of scrimmage, can get off the of press coverage, uh, does a good job of attacking the ball in the air. I really like what I've seen from him from a, a polished standpoint. Uh, and I think he does have the speed to run past corners, kind of hit that home run. He's a really dangerous playmaker in the open field. So it, on an offense that needs playmakers, Jermaine Burton has got to be somewhere on that top five list, especially considering how I, I think we're moving up the charts for him right now late in this process. So he would be number five for me. Coming at number four is the guy that we've led for what, what seemingly since the beginning of this cycle. I've just been waiting month after month for him to commit, but it looks like, looks like he's going to take the distance here. And that's cornerback Keely Ringo from Arizona. He took a ton of visits here the first half of this process, uh, of this whole recruiting cycle, this process. And he is a prototype cornerback for the Kirby Smart system. And he's he is pitcher perfect. Like he's what you want. Like if you are molding somebody, this is the kind of guy that you would that you would mold. Uh, he's 6'2", 205, got great length and great speed, which Kirby is really high on. He wants that length. He wants that speed at the cornerback position. You know how involved he is personally in the secondary as a coach. And he's number eight nationally in the 247 composite so a top 10 prospect uh I think he actually might like he's not quite as fast as Tyson Kimball. I don't know if he, he's very fast I don't know if he has the track level speed like the 10 300 meter stuff that Tyson Kimball had but I do think he's more of a polished cornerback prospect than Campbell was coming out of high school I think he's more instinctual at that position so I'm really really high on him for a lot of different reasons uh, and I think he could be a great fit in our secondary. So he comes in at number four for me. I felt pretty good about our chances of landing him ultimately. Number three is another wide receiver. I mentioned Jermaine Burton coming in at number five for me on my wish list. Arian Smith is a guy who's moved up the rankings dramatically over the past several months. He was a guy that no one was really talking about. She was completely off the radar for a while. But you start to hear a little bit more about about him and us getting more involved with him right before this season. And he's 6'1", 170 pounds. So he's a little light in the bridges, but he's coming in number 72 nationally in 247 composite. And the name of his game is Speed, Speed, and More Speed. Uh, he's been clocked at a 10-300 meter, so a lot, a lot like Tyson Campbell. This guy's got like legit legit track speed. The guy that, you know, when I watch him, when I watch his tape, the guy that he reminds me a lot of is Devontae Smith at Alabama. Uh, not the biggest guy and, and rail thin, but so freaking fast. He can absolutely just burn the secondary in a number of different ways. And he's a really fluid athlete too. A lot of times you see these like straight line speed guys that aren't really fluid with the ball in their hands. That's not what Arian Smith is. He's got, got, he has great straight line speed, but he also has really good hips, really smooth route runner. I think he has the potential to be a difference maker at the wide receiver position. And again, that is what we are desperately in need of right now. And the reason I have him a little bit ahead of Jermaine Burton, I do think that Burton is more is the more polished product right now. But I just think Arian Smith, just watching both those guys on tape, I'm really high on both of them. I love to get both of them. And we're splitting hairs here. But I think Arian Smith is a little faster, a little bit more explosive. And I think his ceiling, athletically, might be slightly higher than Burton. So I'm going to go with Arian Smith at three right now, just because we need playmakers badly. We need speed badly at that wide receiver position. Guys that can create separation. 
Uh, coming at number two, and I almost had him at number one. I am fascinated by this guy. I uh, really, really badly want to get him on our commit list, and that's tight end Darnell Washington. I know some people are upset we missed on Eric Gilbert. We missed on Theo Johnson last week. I don't know if, and, and sure, you can say we missed on those guys, and we wanted them. Of course, we would have taken two tight ends. There's no doubt. But Darnell Washington, if you guys are listening to this show going back to the summer, he's the tight end I said I wanted first and foremost above all of those other guys. Eric Gilbert's a really good player, but he's a jumbo wide receiver. He wants to play wide receiver the next level. I think that's ultimately why we didn't end up landing him. So we were recruiting him as a tight end more or less until late in the process. We were kind of like, yeah, sure, maybe if you want to play wide receiver. But we, I don't think our heart was in that. Darnell Washington is is the true like matchup nightmare where he can play in line. I mean, he's six seven and a half, guys. Six seven and a half, two 260 pounds. So he's big and strong enough to play in line like we like our tight ends to do at times. But he also has the athleticism to play out wide. He is a match-up nightmare. Again, talking about difference makers, just a 100% complete difference maker. And he's just a freakish athlete. I mean, he's, I mean, again, six seven and a half. Like, if you haven't watched this guy's tape, pull it up. I mean, it's just crazy to watch him. He actually just released his senior tape not too long ago. And I was always impressed by his junior tape. But his senior tape just blew me away. I mean, this guy has this guy has improved dramatically in one year. He's a long strider, but he really, really covers ground. Once he gets going, he's really moving at a high speed. And he's just so nimble for a guy that size. Guys, six, seven and a half, two hundred sixty pounds to move like that. Where you're, I mean, like guys, go watch the tape. Hurdling guys, juking guys, spinning away from guys, running away from them. I mean, he's doing all of those things on the regular. So this guy is a freak athlete who can absolutely revolutionize what we do with the tight end. And I know we've been saying that for a long time, going back to the the, the, the Jim Chaney days where we were you know, just giving everyone a hard time about not being able to use our tight ends. And, and maybe at some point it's just because our tight ends weren't as good as we thought they were. I think that's, that's something you have to consider. Darnell Washington, I think he is that good. So I really believe he's a guy that if we can get him in here, he's another guy that can be a major difference maker for us offensively and really kind of turn things around from what we saw this year on the offensive side of the ball. And then coming in at number one on my list um, is a guy that we mentioned a little bit earlier. Jordan Birch is the guy that's number one on my wish list. Uh, I'm just so huge. I'm so big still today. I know offense is, is the name of the game these days, and that's where we really have to improve. That's why I had a couple big-time difference makers at the skill positions on my list. But I still believe her that you win and lose games in the trenches, especially on the defensive line. So getting potentially being able to land a guy like Jordan Birch, that high caliber of a defensive lineman, to go along with some of the other guys like Javon Walker that we got last year, I mean, that could absolutely be huge for us. And Birch is just a freaking beast, man. He's explosive and powerful. He uses his hands really well to control blockers, polish for a defensive lineman. A lot of times, defensive linemen that are that that explosive, that powerful, and there's that much better than everyone they go up, uh, go up against, a lot of times they're not as polished as you would like, kind of like them to be coming into, into the college level because they never really had to be polished. They're just kind of out-athlete and out-physical everybody. But And he does that. Don't get me wrong. He does that. But he also has shown some polish as well. Uh, so he uses his hands really well to control blockers. He sheds the blockers really violently. Just has an explosive first step. And he also plays with really good leverage, which is something I really watch for with high school defensive linemen because, again, a lot of times they just are able to just out-physical and out-athlete people, and they don't really care about leverage. But he plays with really good leverage. I will put this caveat out there. I have not seen Jordan Birch in person, and the competition he plays against is... Uh, it's subpar to say the least. That's that's the nicest thing I can say about the competition he plays against there in Columbia. So when you see that, sometimes it's just hard to tell just how dominant a guy like that really is. Like, is he really that dominant? Or is he playing against like Little League competition? And if you watch the guys he's playing against, I mean, he's just so much bigger and more physical than those guys. It's not even funny. Like, he'll play running back sometimes. And it's, it's hilarious trying to watch those guys try to tackle him because they just bounce off him. And you look at him, they're like, 
170 pound little kids, and there's just no way, and like there's just no way they're gonna bring him down. So I don't know how much of his dominance is that, but he's like he shows the skills, he shows the tools to be a dominant player on the defensive line at the college level. So uh, I'm I'm really excited about the possibility of landing him again. I was so skeptical for a long time. I'm really starting to kind of buy into it right now. I hope I'm I'm not like uh, getting ahead of myself here, but I feel really good about him. So if I had to pick five. That would be my wishes. Go with Jordan Birch at top, Darnell Washington at number two, Arian Smith at three, Kilo Ringo at four, Jermaine Burton at five. Okay, well, without going into too much detail, are there any Is that too much detail for you? It was a lot. Are uh, there any worry. other names that we should keep an eye on and listen for over the next couple of days? Yeah, there's a and look, look, we really need another quarterback. Like right now, we have Carson Beck, who uh, is going to sign on Wednesday, and he's going to immediately be in Athens practicing with the team during ball practices, which is huge. So I'm really excited to get him in here. But we need another quarterback, especially if Jake... I mean, we just don't know what Jake Fromm is going to do. I, I feel better about his chances of coming back, but there were some reports coming out this weekend that you know he actually might maybe he's leaning towards going pro. Who knows? I don't know what to think with that situation right now. So with that uncertainty... And hopefully, our, and I think he's going to be getting his draft grade back here pretty soon. So hopefully, our coaches will have a feeling going into signing day. But I, we, if if, if Fromm goes, we've got to have another scholarship quarterback because we just don't know. Like even if Fromm stays, with the uncertainty surrounding Dewan Mathis, like I just don't know if that guy's ever going to be fully, completely, one hundred percent clear. I know he was doing a little bit of scout work stuff at the end of the season, but he was not cleared for contact. And like with brain injuries, I'm not a doctor. I just don't freaking know. I don't know. So. Even if Fromm stays, that means you have Fromm, Carson Beck, and Stetson Bennett. And then Fromm, and then Fromm be gone, and most of be here for one more year. And you got Stetson Bennett and, and Carson Beck. We need another scholarship guy. So uh, that's tough. And, and this late in the process, because quarterbacks typically commit pretty early on. Uh, but the quarterback names to watch for, a guy named C.J. Stroud out of California. From what it seems like, it's down to us in Ohio State. And another guy who we were really trying to get on campus, I, I don't think we have a great shot at this guy, but we, we have been trying to recruit him. We want to get him on campus this past weekend, but it, uh, from what I understand, did not materialize. Now, things things going under the radar, but I don't think we got him on campus this weekend from what I understand. He's currently a Texas commitment. He go, he's a quarterback at Lake Travis High School, which is right there in the Austin area. He's got him Hudson Card. I love Hudson Card. I would love to get him somehow, some way, somehow on this commit list. Um, I like C.J. Stroud too. I actually might like Hudson Card a little bit more because I want to go the dual threat route moving forward. And C.J. Stroud can move, uh, but I don't know if like du- if he's like a true dual threat guy. He reminds me of a guy like Dwayne Haskins last from Ohio State who can move and can move the change and can, can scramble and escape the pocket and create things with his legs at times. But Hudson Carr is like a, a true dual threat type guy where he's making guys miss in space. I mean, he's got some quick twitch to his game. I, and he, he's he got a really good arm, makes all the throws, can put the ball in there, out there with some touch. Stroud might be a little bit more of a polished passer right now. I think that's fair to say. And I would be happy with either one of those guys. I think if we get one of them, Stroud's the more likely guy. And uh, I, I think he's probably leaning a little bit towards Ohio State right now. We were we were really training with him for a while during the season, but it looks like Ohio State's kind of pulled back ahead. But I certainly wouldn't count us out there. But he's a name to watch. And Hudson Carr, just a, a, maybe a, a, an outside chance to kind of just put his name in your back pocket there. But um, if we haven't gotten him on campus, which I don't think we did, then I, I, that would certainly be a long shot. But we need another quarterback. I don't know where that's going to come from. Maybe it's going to be a, a grad transfer. A guy like Joey Yellen, potentially, who was a transfer from a, from Arizona State. Now he just announced he's putting his name in the transfer portal. But he's going to have to probably sit out a year. 
Uh, but who knows? Quarterbacks, all these graduates, he's not a graduate for quarterback, but all these transfer quarterbacks somehow seem to get their eligibility immediately. So I don't get their waivers approved. We'll see what happens there. At uh, the running back position, look, right now we have Kendall Milton, who's, who's going to be a stud for us. Uh, but it'd be nice to get another running back in the fold here. For a while, we were we were trying to get five-star Zach Evans, but he's kind of been trending away for a little while now. We were trending heavily with him, but then it's kind of been, for the past couple months, been kind of moving in a different direction. And there's also a lot of red flags that he was kind of off the team at the beginning of the year for, we don't exactly know why, but it was it, there's some red flags there. So I, I don't think he's going to be on the list. He's still a really good player. Tank Bigsby's a guy out of Georgia here at Callaway High School that, we were we've been involved with from the get go. Uh, he committed to Auburn a couple months back, and he uh, we were still trying to get back in the fold with him. But he shut down his recruitment this past week, so that's probably a no go there. So Dajan Edwards from Colquitt County is a guy to watch very closely. Uh, he's got kind of a guy that we've kind of had keeping warm in the back burners for a while now. From what I understand, he's very high on us and would love to have like a committable offer. So he's a name to watch. Five ten two hundred. About a 200 pound running back out of Colquitt. Very versatile guy. Has good speed, runs with good power. Also, a weapon on the backfield in the receiving game. So, he's a name to watch, a four star prospect as well. In the secondary, uh, a couple guys we've gotten involved with uh, down the stretch here. We haven't heard them mention really much until the past month or so. One of them is Dante Manning out of Missouri. Uh, he's a, a very fat, very athletic cornerback. And I actually really like this guy. I put up his tape and was like, dang, this guy moves really, really well. He's six foot, about 185 pounds, and we're 76 nationally in the 247 composite. So I, I think he could be a really good addition to our team in the secondary. Eric Reed's another guy who is uh, from the Louisiana area, and he was training towards Ole Miss for a long time. And obviously now with Matt Luke coming here, and we were kind of getting involved with, with him before Matt Luke got hired as our new offensive line coach, but with Matt Luke coming over and the relationship he has with Eric Reed, that certainly helps us in that situation. So I think Eric Reed's a guy that's certainly training in our direction as a safety. He's number 175 nationally, so inside the, the top 247. Uh, and I mentioned Joey Yellen is a four-star quarterback transfer from Mission Viejo, California. He was at Arizona State last year, came in as a, a true freshman with a guy with uh, Jane Daniels. And J- he just got beat out by Jane Daniels, who's a, who was a really good true freshman quarterback for Arizona State. And we did offer Yellen when he was coming out last year. He ends up at Arizona State. So just a guy to watch. I don't know what's going to happen there, but if you're looking for a transfer name, that might be a guy to potentially look at. And before we move on, I do want to remind you guys that today's episode of the Glory UJ podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network. It's live 24-7 and costs you absolutely nothing. That's right, guys. It's sports coverage that's always on and always free. Always. I mean, what more can you ask? And guys, what I love most about CBS Sports HQ is that you can find on demand basically anything you want in the sports world, whether it's college football, NFL, college basketball now is hitting its its stride. You've got the NBA going on. If you like soccer, you can find all that. Any sports you want, you can find any highlights, really any length of highlights. You can find the full-scale 30-minute show. You can find the two, three-minute highlights. With bowl season coming up, CBS Sports HQ will be the place to go to keep you up to date with all the happenings in the college football world. And don't forget, you can access this great coverage completely free. I don't mean free for a week or month, or if you have some special cable package, it's totally 100% completely free for everybody. You don't even need a login. There's no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans. And again, at the great price of completely free. You don't have to log in, you don't have to sign up, download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay. Well, you already talked about a couple of the players that we are currently trying to flip to the good guys. But other teams are out there trying to do the same thing with our prospects. It's certainly a two-way street, and it would be a naive for us to think otherwise, right? Certainly would. Certainly would. So which prospects currently on our commitment list do we need to worry about the most when it comes to potential flips? You know, there's not a ton of guys. We only have 15 guys on our commit list right now. There's not a ton of guys that really come to mind that are like like potential like flip options for other teams. But, but to me, there's two guys. It's the offensive line, right? With Sam Pittman going to Arkansas and Matt Luke coming here trying to build a relationship with these guys. Uh, there's two offensive linemen to watch it for. I mean, I think Chad Lindbergh um, is a guy that we're going to ultimately hold on to. I feel pretty good about that. But Broderick Jones and Cedric Van Pram on the offensive line are the two guys to watch. I think both of them are going to hold off and commit in February. So we have some time. It's not, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. It gives Matt Luke some time to build his relationship and kind of sell those guys all over again. And just kind of remind them like, why they committed to Georgia. Yes, yeah, Sam Pittman might have have been a part of it, but you committed to the University of Georgia for other reasons too, especially a guy like Broderick Jones, who is a Georgia guy. Now, Cedric Van Praen is from Louisiana, so he's the guy I'm going to be a little bit more worried about. Although Broderick Jones has been flirting with Auburn a little bit over the past month or so, maybe you maybe you had some inkling that Sam Pittman was going to end up leaving, but um, those are the two that you're going to watch. And Bro- We need to keep Broderick Jones. I mean, he's one of our top-rated recruits right now that's currently on the commit list, number 19 nationally, a five-star prospect. 6'5", 275. He's a true left tackle prospect too. Very, very fleet of foot. Has great lateral agility, great movement, uh, strong initial punch as well. Really like what he brings to the table. Cedric Van Pram is a guy that has some versatility. I think he can play guard or center for us. So I would love to keep both of them, but if you're looking for names that could be potential flips, I think those are the two to watch for. But we've got some time. I think they're going to wait till February. All right. Well, we have 15 players currently on our commit list. How many more players do you think we will sign before it's all said and done? So that, that's a tough question. Um, there's always a lot of moving parts to this. And somehow coaches always end up finding a way to finagle more than you think they can get into a class. There's a lot of ways to do things with gray shirts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you can only, like, there's some, it used to be a soft cap. They said 25. Then oversigning was the thing. Now, to try to cut down on oversigning, which Nick Saban really kind of brought to the forefront years ago, they put in place what they call what they call and I'm doing, I know you guys can't see this because it's a podcast but I'm doing finger quotes here they call a hard cap of 25 supposedly a hard cap of 25 for each recruiting cycle um, but with that we took two grad transfers last year we took Eli Wolf and Lawrence Cager and supposedly grad transfers count towards the next year's scholarship total that's how we were able to fit them in last year um, and I and look you hear that some places, but it, somehow teams end up working these guys in. They still get, have a they sign a full twenty five allotment the next year plus those guys. So I don't know how hard the NCAA is enforcing these rules, but that's supposedly how it's supposed to work. Grad transfers count for the next year's class. So if, we, if it's a twenty five hard cap, we signed two grad transfers last year. That means we're down to twenty three. Uh, and if we have fifteen right now, that means we should have eight more. I'm not good at math, but twenty three minus fifteen is eight, right? So we've got eight more spots scholarship spots in this class but it's not as simple as that you also have to have room under the 85 total team scholarship limit so you have to look at who we have leaving and who might leave early we've got 15 departing seniors that's 15 scholarships that we have available right now that we know we're going to have then i think it's safe to say we might have like 
uh, like potentially three, maybe an outside chance of four early departures. I think I told you guys last week, I think DeAndre Swift is gone. I think Andrew Thomas is gone. That's two right there. And then Jake Fromm, I think it's a 50-50 chance he might go. And I think you can say the same about Isaiah Wilson right now. So maybe one of those guys, either Fromm or Wilson, could go pro. So let's just say three early departures. I mean, Richard Count could be an early departure too. I don't think he'll go, but it's possible, I guess. So let's just let's be cautious here and say three. So 15 scholarship seniors that are leaving, three early departures. We already have one guy in the transfer portal, one scholarship guy in the portal in Robert Beal. So that means we've got 19 spots right this second. But there's going to be other casualties, and, I, and we're going to make room. Like, right, like we're, we're going to make room for these guys. We're, you, you have to think we're going to find a way to open up four more spots. And it could be transfers, it could be medical red shirts, who knows what it could be. Um, and there's some transfer options. You look at some of these guys out there, Notori Johnson's a guy to look at. I mentioned Channing Tindall last week, Latavius Brini. It's another guy who really hasn't played much at all. It's kind of been a special teams guy for us. Trey Blunt is a guy, receiver, who, man, if there's a year to ever make a move at receiver, it was this year, and he just didn't make a move at all. William Poole is a guy who's just basically been a special teams guy, hasn't done much defensively. Um, and you got maybe Ben Cleveland's a guy who could potentially think about going pro. I know he wasn't really happy with the rotation this year. Maybe he sees a chance to kind of end that rotation with a new offensive line coach. So I think there's a way to open up four more spots. So I, would like, I think 23 is probably the number. So if we're at 15 guys right now with the commitment of Devin Willick, I'm going to go with eight more scholarships to, to, uh, to offer. Okay. So if you think we can sign eight more players, what would be the ideal closing to this class with the guys that we still have a chance of getting a commitment from, that we know of publicly that we're still in the run? Yeah, okay. So not just like like the eight best players in America. Right. right. Uh, okay. So, again, a quarter I, – I would, I would really – like ideally I – don't, I don't think this is going to happen, but ideally – at least we've kind of been, I know we've been recruiting him. Uh, I want a quarterback. I want another, I know we have Carson back, but I want another one just for numbers sake. And Hudson Card is a guy that I really, really like. From the first time I saw his tape, like, dude, this guy can play. And he can make all the throws, good arm, really good athlete. Totally fits that dual threat ability. And we need to find guys that can move that quarterback position. I think that needs to be the future of our quarterback room. And I really like him. I'd be really happy with C.J. Stroud too, but I just like Hudson Card's dual threat ability a little bit more right now. But I, I, I will say C.J. Stroud is probably more of a likely option. But if it's my ideal list, I'm going to go Hudson Card. Running back, again, ideally, just kind of from a talent perspective, I would say Zach Evans because like, maybe that door's still a little bit open. But I don't think it's likely. But ideally, Zach Evans would be great to pair with Kendall Milton. And really, they really would complement each other's uh, skill sets very well. Obviously, at tight end, Darnell Washington. Wide receiver, Arian Smith and Jermaine Burton. Uh, defensive line, of course, Jordan Burst. And at cornerback, I would love to sign Keely Ringo and Dante Manning. I like Manning a little bit more than Reed. Reed is a, is a true safety guy. I think we're fine at safety right now. Manning, uh, I think he's just maybe a little bit more of a dynamic athlete than Eric Reed. So if I had my ideal close, that's what it would be. So that would be an incredible finish if we close like that. But if you had to predict today, what would be the most realistic finish? Okay, yeah. So realistic, I don't know if we, I don't know if we are going to sign another quarterback as a true freshman in this class. Because outside of Stroud and Card, I don't really know who we've been involved with all that heavily. Maybe there's somebody under the radar, so you, you could see somebody. So I'm going to say realistically, probably not going to sign a quarterback. Stroud maybe, but I think he's leaning towards Ohio State right now, from what I understand. At running back, I don't think we're going to get Zach Evans. I, I think he's going to LSU or A and M maybe. 
Uh, who knows? Maybe Alabama. I don't think he's coming here. So I think Dejan Edwards from Colquitt County is a very realistic option for us. He's a guy that I'd be really happy with. I think he's a good running back that would complement Kendall Milton very, very well. A nice addition to the running back room. I, I, at tight end, I do think we're going to land Darnell Washington. I really believe that. I think he sees the need there. Um, and we've been recruiting him a long time. It's crazy. I think we're going to get a guy, potentially get a guy out of Las Vegas. Knock on wood. You never know these things. At wide receiver, like I, I actually, and again, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I feel good when I say like Arian Smith and Jermaine Burton were on my ideal list. I actually want to put them on my, on my realistic list as well. I think we're going to get both of those guys. I feel pretty good about that right now, especially Arian Smith. We'll see on Burton because he is currently committed to LSU. But uh, I still feel pretty good about our chances there. On the defensive line, I, I keep saying it. It's crazy to think about it, but I think we might be in the driver's seat for Jordan Birch. So I'm going to go with Jordan Birch on the defensive line. I think we do sign Keely Ringo and Dante Manning. Uh, I, I, Manning, I don't know. Um, that's a tough pull. I know Oregon uh, has been involved with him pretty heavily. And he's from Missouri. So and we have like he's kind of been a name that's been recently added to the radar. Uh, I feel really good about Ringo. The Oregon's made a push for him as well. So I feel better about Ringo than Manning, but let's go with both those guys right now. And then uh, I'm going to go, I think we will end up with Eric Reed. He's a good player. I would be happy to take Eric Reed, uh, but if I had my idealist, I'd rather have a, another quarterback over another uh, over a safety, but uh, I just don't know if we'll end up getting that quarterback. So I'm going to go with Eric Reed on my more realistic finish list as well. But uh, all right, guys, is that it, Charlie? Is that it? That's it. That's it. Uh, obviously, uh, I, I have to put the disclaimer out there that this is recruiting we are talking about, and everything is fluid when it comes to the world of recruiting. So by the time you listen to this episode, some of the names we discuss may already be on a commit list, ours or otherwise, but uh, new names are sure to emerge also. They always do, especially at the quarterback position. Watch that because I know we're, we're trying to get another quarterback. I just don't know who it's going to end up being. There's going to be twists. There's going to be turns. That's just how recruiting works. So just keep that in mind. But as of 6 p.m. Monday evening, this is where things sit. And this is how we see things playing out on the early signing day. It does bear mentioning that not all of our targets are going to be committing publicly on Wednesday. It looks like Roger Jones is going to take the distance into February. And Darnell Washington, he's going to sign on Wednesday with the team, but he's going to hold off on announcing that publicly until the Under Armour All-American game on January 2nd. So we won't officially know on him for a couple more weeks. So we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for a couple of these guys. But most of our targets will be signed, sealed, and delivered on Wednesday. And right now, the plan is for Curtis. I know. Remember that name, Charlie Curtis? It's been a minute. Uh, the plan is for him to make his triumphant return later in the week to recap the early signing period. He's done with all of his law school exams. He should be back from the quick getaway to New York. Yeah, that's where he is right now. Uh, they can't, he kind of treated himself uh, over the weekend after his uh, long affair with uh, his exams. So that should be good. And whatever goes down on Wednesday, we will have you guys covered. But for Charlie, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>